Hello and welcome to episode 129 of the NFL Scotland podcast. We are getting toward the business end of the season. You might be out of your fantasy football tournament. Paul, you and me are. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. We will deliver more gifts than Santa Claus in this podcast to keep you entertained in the run-up to Christmas. It's going to be a cracker, Cameron. Ha ha, let's hope so. Unlike our third, fourth playoff, and I'm going to get this out of the way nice and early, Paul, because I know nobody really cares about it, so let's let's just deal with this and let's move on. NFL Scotland podcasted their first ever fantasy league. You and me were in the final. You were up against Scott Cooper, former Scotch Claymore. I was up against Sky Sports presenter Charles Patterson, part of the, part of the NFL Scotland team. Scott Cooper and Charles Patterson have never played fantasy football before. They finished first and third in the overall table. I was second, you were fourth. We both lost. I'll be honest, Scott gave you a bit of a doing. I lost to Charles by 0.9. See, I would rather lose as I lost by a bucketful. Uh, but principally, the Raiders' chargers did me in slightly. Yeah. Uh, S- Scott's got a great team, so I'll acknowledge that. But anything that's under a point or two... And you Sickner. just think, it's, not, it's 10 yards, isn't it? It's 10 <laughs> yards. Yep, yep, yep. Um, it's a PPR league. It's one catch. It's one catch. Um, Charles was on the uh, WhatsApp trying to noise me up, accusing me of choking. How can you choke in fantasy football? I'm not out there, Charles. Nice try. Jog on. So for that comment, I am 100% stating my intentions uh, to be joining the bandwagon of a certain Mr. Scott Cooper, Moan the Glasgow Ouija's, as he's called his fantasy team name. Get that Parson lot in the bin. Straight <laughs> in the bin. So there you go. Who are you rooting for? I just, you know, a bit like every game I cover, as long as it's a good game, I don't <laughs> Cop out. <laughs> right. Um, you and me will battle it out for third place. Who gets bronze and who gets nothing? Uh, that's all we've got to fight for. So at some point, I must talk about my Week 15 curse as well. I have a ridiculous record in Week 15. It's obscene. It's it's obscene. It's sackable. It's, it's a worse... A postseason record than Andy Dalton, honestly, it's disgusting. But we'll we'll cover that in another podcast because we need to turn to the football. Uh, a lot of things happened, uh, a lot of interesting things. You talked already about the Chargers Raiders, uh, a surprising result right away, and the Raiders' decline continues. I was really disappointed with the Raiders. I like to see them do well. It just adds a little bit more interest. They would have been eight and six, a real good chance going forward. You know, they play Miami at the weekend, you know, which is one of the live TV games. And I just, I felt let down by them. They were in a position to win and they simply didn't. The Chargers remain the Chargers. Jeff Reinbold told us last week, the Chargers don't want to sack Anthony Lynn. So, I mean, that does him a bit of good, you know, getting that particular win. But I was really disappointed in the Raiders. And you have to say, Marcus Mariota came in and did almost everything right. Almost. Yes. Uh, and, and do you know what? There's a lot of upside there with Mariota. Uh, there is a lot to, to like. And if Derek Carr remains out, then I think Mariota is a very serviceable backup, you know. Um, you know, obviously him and Winston came out of the draft, went super high, not quite had the careers that we thought we would be. And, and we've talked about Winston loads, so we'll not cover that again. But both are capable quarterbacks. They're not bums. They're not, it's not Chad Henney or Blaine Gabber or some of these guys that you, you kind of look at and you're like, oh, you're, you're hardly even a serviceable serviceable backup you know they're guys who can drive down the field they're guys who know what to do and they're both offensive uh, strong quarterbacks so you know Mario came in there showed that he's got a little bit something about him 
Derek Carr's been brilliant this year, but it's disappointing. It just uh, the wind is absolutely out the sails of the Raiders. It's just completely gone. And right away, we had some of our followers tweeting us saying, "You know, it's time for Gruden to go." Unfortunately, Mister Gruden's got one hell of a size of a contract. He ain't going anywhere. It's certainly not anytime soon. No, I mean I think they've drafted well. I mean the pickup of Mariota makes them look like a genius as well because he is possibly the best backup in the league. You're quite happy go to bat with the experience that he has as your backup. So I think they've done a lot right. I think it's sometimes easy to to overreact. You know, what wasn't Gruden's fault Mariota threw the interception towards the end. It wasn't Gruden's fault that they didn't come away with points when they were down in the red zone. I thought the play calling was fine. So, you know, just a little rub the other way you know, they win that game and nobody's calling for them to go. It's, you know, this applies in the NFL, it applies in in our football as well, Cameron. One decision doesn't make you a bad manager. So in Scotland this week, Stuart Kettlewell got sacked for losing to Hamilton Ackies, you know, five in a row. He is not a better manager today than he was on Friday morning than he is today. Results is what what does for you? It doesn't necessarily make you good, bad, or indifferent. We've seen plenty of bad managers that we were, or people we consider not very good managers, succeed because their teams win. Yes, indeed, and and I think that it's at the very start of the season we've talked about this loads. You know, I called them bereft of talent. I wrote them off. I thought they were going to be absolute outright bottom of that division, and they're going to finish second. Um, I'm not sure they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think there's enough left there for them to do it. But they have absolutely surprised me there's a lot to like there and there's a lot to grow on like you say they've drafted fairly well it's still a fairly inexperienced team that's going through transition it's just moved location it's playing in front of no fans like everyone else but a brand new stadium um there's a lot of positivity there and i don't think it's worth hitting the panic button anytime soon it's frustrating but i think if they can get at least one more win before the end of the season i think that makes it a lot more interesting for sure okay um you have to mention, though, actually, Justin Herbert. And again, I'll come back to fantasy. He sat on my bench because I went Aaron Rodgers instead, but uh, he would have won me the game. He would have won me both my final <laughs> semifinals that I lost this week if I'd bloody played him. Uh, but seven games with 300-plus passing yards, which is an NFL rookie record. You know, an absolutely brilliant player. Given the fact Mike Williams and Keenan Allen weren't out there for much at all, it just shows how capable of a quarterback he is. Yeah, he was an injection away from not starting. I mean, that that's the that's the crazy thing. I did say to you in one of the podcasts when we were previewing the season, I really liked him. I thought he had what it takes and the tools that were there. I think with most quarterbacks, you'll tell in year two, you know, anybody can have a good year. We've seen that. It, you know, sometimes it will be the year two. But he's certainly looking like he's going to be kicking around there for a while. And, you know, is he capable of lifting that team up, you know, to be able to compete with your Mahomes, your cars, people like that? You know, they may have found, well, they hoped they'd found a franchise quarterback. But, I mean, Arizona thought that a couple of seasons ago with Josh Rosen. So you're never, ever sure. Absolutely. We'll go to the other game that took place that night because there's something significant happened. And this is the first point that we'll touch on. Uh, Buffalo Bills with a very convincing 48-19 victory over the Broncos. First AFC East title since 1995. Now, Paul, I don't know if you're aware of this, but 1995, okay? Uh, At the moment, the PlayStation 5 has just come out and is the hot thing that everyone's trying to buy. In 1995 the first ever PlayStation was released. So (laughs) 
just shows you the timescales that we're talking about here. A couple of other things that happened in 1995. I want to take you back in time. You'll remember this. I was too young. I was only about 14 in 1995. Uh, Brad Pitt was the sexiest man alive in 1995. Second. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Braveheart won the best picture at the Oscars. It was the year of the O.J. Simpson trial. Are you feeling old yet? The Macarena went viral, although viral wasn't a thing back then. But the Macarena was a big thing. Um, you know, this is the sort of stuff, you know, um, this is when Friends was in its prime. There is lots of things. Match.com launched that year. <laughs> you know, it's just absolutely unreal. Absolutely unreal. Um, Apollo 13 was in the box office. You know, Toy Story, the first Toy Story. We've had four Toy Story movies in the time that <laughs> since the Buffalo Bills won. It's just, it's quite something, but absolutely brilliant to see. Good on, Buffalo. I'm, I'm delighted for them. 1995, I, I wondered where you were going with this because it was the year I got married. Oh, was it? Uh, so, so I didn't... <laughs> Does that mean I that you can? That's it over now. Was this? Was this some kind of like? I'm not getting divorced until the Buffalo Bills win the AFC East. Yeah, don't spoil the surprise. Whatever you do. Uh, yeah, no, I remember going to see Apollo 13 as well that year. The Macarena was. Uh, if we divert slightly, my wife and I, Francis and I, you know, we're, we're on a cruise on honeymoon, and the Macarena was the big thing. Not for me, obviously, because I don't dance, but um, it, it was a big thing. But yeah, I thought you, you were going. 20... I thought you were going to tell me it was your first dance. Oh, no. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. and Mrs. Mitchell, who will be dancing the Macarena. No, big be... alley on the on the organ, playing it Kaylee style. It was the time warp, obviously. I mean, that, that's the only dance you can do. Uh, oh. So, yeah, I mean, it's brilliant for the Bills. I mean, I, you know, they're, they're one of these franchises, you know, when I was watching sort of late 80s, obviously they were a tremendous franchise. And, you know, everybody, oh, they failed, they failed. They won the AFC four times. Yes, they lost the Super Bowl. We get that. But to get to that position, you know, you know that team was just incredible, you know, with Kelly and Co. So they, they were brilliant. Great to see them back. They've got a quarterback that you put him in the playoffs, he can dismantle anybody, absolutely anybody. Um, so other things that took place, obviously the Packers kind of just nudged past the Panthers and that was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Uh, they're, they're a poor team. They are. On, Absolutely. He's not here to beat me in the semifinals. They suck. I can't wait till they go out of the postseason. Um, I don't well, what, mean what's annoying is it looks like the playoffs are going to go through Green Bay. Yes. And that does make it hard. The, the Saints have obviously, they stumbled against the Eagles, which to me wasn't acceptable. It was poor game planning, poor execution. It didn't work for them against Kansas, although I'm, I'm I'm quite upbeat about it. You know, I mean, we lost so many players beforehand. We lost so many players during it. Um, I'm not even going to bore you with the referee controversies, you know, kicking out Cam Jordan and stuff like that. Just, oh, some of that. But, and look at, look at it. You know, Drew Brees took them down the field several times, especially towards the end. You know, all of this Drew Brees can't throw, can't throw. I mean, I think Gordon McGinnis quite rightly pointed out, I think it was a 90, uh, a 44% success rate yeah. of passing. But if you look at Big Ben the other night, uh, 12 minutes into the second quarter, he was four for 10 for minus five. Yeah. You know, people can have bad nights. That That's the way it goes. But I think the Saints have certainly handed it to the Packers. The Packers, I don't think, have been brilliant. 
but there's a there's an efficiency yes. about them. The, uh, there I is t- an efficiency, and that's just. Uh, I think that's the difference from the Packers from last year. I feel like they're a bit tighter overall. Um, and you know they've had injuries, and Devontae Adams hasn't always been at his best. But the other receivers are chipping in a bit more. And Tonyan's come through as a tight end. There's another viable option there. The run game seems strong again. The offensive line slightly better. The pass rush is a little bit better. That defense against the run game is still a problem, um, yeah. and it remains to be. They need to sort that out. I guess the one thing that you would say is, especially with uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell looking like they picked up injuries. If it's the Chiefs that they play, the the only run game coming out of Kansas City might be Mahomes. So if you can figure out how to stop that, <laughs> then you've got a chance. Drew Brees got into that game. Drew Brees was cold. It wasn't working for him. He was under pressure. He was rusty. He was overthrown. There wasn't a link up. It wasn't his usual core set of receivers. Uh, yeah, he gets a pass on that against what is a very good Kansas City team. He does get a pass. It's what they do now on. Um, I was worried about bringing him in. I thought, are you bringing them back too early? Is this risky? But fine. Do you know what? Actually, maybe it's the better time to do it because if he can get into his groove and be healthy by the playoffs, that's when it matters most. Yeah, I was delighted to see him back. And it's important from a Saints perspective they win the next two because, you know, Tampa Bay Bucks, you know, coming back again on the Falcons. I mean, how do the Falcons keep doing this? You know, I mean, it, it's funny to a certain extent, but it gets to the point where you can't defend the lead in your own building. Uh, and psychologically, I think teams aren't scared of them, even if they are. You know, they played a great first half of football and then just evaporated. Um, and as I said, I don't think it's even funny. Now, there was controversy towards the end of the game where the first down that Tampa Bay got to ice the game I didn't realise it was only nine and a half yards you had to go. Normally, you've got to take the ball past the sticks, but it was even measured. Yeah. And it was that, that that was a strange one. Now, if that had been in Scottish football, we'd still be hearing about it today. Yeah. Um, you know, the ball was slid along. Now, I've no problem. I don't think the, you know, the side judge sliding the ball along was nefarious in any way. He simply put it to where he thought it was going to be. But it was still short. <laughs> it was still short. <laughs> The Jeez. measuring capabilities there are, yeah, I was, that's dodgy. Sorry, that's dodgy. If that was at New England, it would have been Cheatriots, it would have been Belichick's been in the referee's pocket, or, sorry, the, the other way around, the referee's been in Belichick's pocket. Um, yeah, it's a bit dodgy. Uh, the Falcons do have issues, the major issues in the fourth quarter. It's just, it's un- it's it's a reputation and it's now absolutely something that's undeniably hanging over them. It, like you say, it becomes a bit of a joke. <laughs> They've blown it again. To now it's like, geez, this team's got a major issue with blowing games, especially in the third and fourth quarter. Um, that's something Indeed. that they want to get on top of. Yeah, another team with issues. Um, but we'll jump around to another yeah. couple of games. The Steelers-Bengals. Yeah. The, the Steelers don't have a run game. I mean, and the Bengals basically... and. I, I thought, and you've got to give credit to the Monday Night Football crew, I thought they did a really good job of explaining exactly what the Bengals were doing, basically giving up on going backwards because they reckoned that the, you know, there, there wasn't going to be the opportunity, you know, for, for the run coming. So they, they were simply staying where they were 
and then you know breaking forward onto the receiver and defending them absolutely brilliantly. Yeah. The Steelers have got problems. We said it a few weeks ago. They don't have a run game. They look so out of sorts against the Bengals. And you know, good on the Bengals, you know, for doing it. But I'd be more worried if I was a Steelers fan than a Saints fan at the moment. It's all about momentum going into the playoffs, and there's certain teams that are stumbling. Kansas aren't, and Buffalo aren't at the moment. So let's jump to it. Let's jump to the Rams. Yeah. What what on earth were they doing on Sunday? Uh, what were they doing and what were the Jets doing? Like, uh, I I don't know what to make of this. I genuinely don't know what to... Uh, are these players... And, and I guess, you know what, some of these players will be thinking, well, I'm not going to be here next year. I've got to prove that I'm worthy of getting to another team. Um, let's get a win on the board because that looks good. I'm not part of a 0-16 team because no player wants to be part of that. For the state of the team... That's not a good outcome. I, for me, in a weird way, it can only point to the fact that Adam Gase has to be going because if Adam Gase has been told, right, you're staying for next year, you just lose out and you make sure you pick up the man you want unless they don't want Trevor Lawrence, unless they've already decided that's not what they're after. And actually, Sam Darnold showed what he was capable of. And Sam Darnold, for me, showed that he is a good quarterback. Now, he's not sensational, but at least he's not a bum either. That's not a bad... Rams defense, and indeed that I played them in fantasy football, and they bloody shafted me. Um, <laughs> so you know, but to lose that game, to lose that game when you're trying to win the division at home against a winless team, and you can't even get the basic things going, it was dire, really dire from McVeigh, really dire from Goff. The defense was lackluster. They just looked inept. They just looked out of puff. And like the Steelers, it's almost like they've gone over the edge of their season and they're now, they're spiralling down too quickly. Um, the Steelers are trending towards going out pretty early in the playoffs. Um, the Rams as well, you know, and I, and I think Seattle will go on and win this division. You know, it's, it's funny, Seattle aren't a great team, but they just know how to win. That's the difference. Seattle in that situation would find a way to win, as they did against Washington. They weren't playing brilliantly. They found a way to win, uh, and that's what the Rams don't have. They don't have that extra, uh, that extra bit of juice to just get going and when it's hard, when they're up against it. You know, when they've got their backs to the wall, they're not very good at fighting back into it. Criticism that's been thrown at the, the Ravens a lot, but genuinely, I've yeah, it was just it was guff, absolutely guff. So, so we've we've got to put it into context. So. The win wasn't just one of the biggest upsets this year, Cameron. According to stats, it was one of the biggest five upsets of the past 40 years. So since the NFL schedule went to 16 games in 1978, um, so basically the fifth in this list is Jets plus 17, 24-17 over the Bills in 92, Washington plus 17, 24-17 over the Cowboys in 95, the Jets at plus 17, 23-20 over the Rams, Baltimore Colts, so that's how far back we're going, 17 and a half points they were giving away to the Patriots in 1978 and 134-27. <laughs> and you go back to last year and the equivalent would have been the Dolphins at 17 and a half points, 27-24 winners over the Patriots. That is how big that win was against the Jets. It was utterly, uh, the Jets won against the Rams. Utterly, utterly incredible. Um, it's just, it blows your mind that something like that is possible. I know we got the cliches, any given Sunday and any team, et cetera, et cetera. But for all the reasons you outlined, the Rams should never have lost that game. No, 
definitely not. And it's just just honking, absolutely honking. Uh, I think that we'll get their name read out a couple of times when we get to the, the awards section. Before we go to the awards, is there anything else you want to call it? I have to call it the Cowboys, Niners, Mullins, ugh, just, we were, the 49ers were terrible. Uh, again, injuries, most start leaving the game and stuff like that, not great. L- giving up 41 points to that Cowboys team. There was flashes, there was a Hail Mary at the end from Bethard that was a bit interesting, but, you know, that flattered, to be perfectly honest. Dallas have now won six of the last seven against the Niners. That's something that's I, I don't like reading. Um, there's a lot of changes need to come. I think there's a lot of the, and I mean we've we've lost so many players. I'm not going to bang on about it anymore because it's pointless. But there's just the core that's there isn't great. Um, so yeah, that now it's to be perfectly honest, we need to just lose out from here and and get as good a pick as we possibly can. Um, I think because of the fixtures, there's you know the Bengals play the Texans this weekend, so there's a chance that one of those teams goes to five. Well, one of them will go to five wins, um, or, or no, hang on, I've got that wrong. So the Bengals are on three; they could go to four and one, and if the Texans win, they could go to five. So actually, you know, there's a chance that we could fall slightly higher up the draft, which would be great because really that's all we've got to go for: get yep. the best pick as possible. Absolute, but there is a disconnect between the front office and the players. You said it best. None of these Jets players wanted to go 0-16. The front office probably wouldn't have cared less. They would have taken all the flack. And I actually get really annoyed at people saying, well, you know, the Jets did the wrong thing. The team that's been put together has been put together to win. These players are playing for jobs. The coordinators are playing for jobs. So therefore... You know, you take what you can. The Jags, every oh, the Jags are the better week because the Jets did this. Let it play out. The squad that you've assembled, you did not assemble to lose. Now, that can be done in basketball. We've seen it with Philadelphia, and we've seen it with another couple of teams. You know, they, they don't get together the best team, but everybody here was trying their best, and they will continue to try their best. So, to me, if, if the Jags get the first pick, the Jags get the first pick. If I was playing for the Jets... I'd be trying to make sure they didn't win the first pick because that would mean I played on the worst team that year. Yeah. And I wouldn't want that on my CV. Really as simple as that. Sam Darnold doesn't want to lose out because he's going to lose his job, potentially. So Sam Darnold's playing for his job. Um, exactly. Frank Gore's maybe in his last season. I thought he was brilliant. I love seeing Frank Gore. It's always nice to see Frank Gore beat the Rams as well as a division rival. So, <laughs> you know, I can accept that. Um but yeah, fascinating stuff out of that weekend. Uh, the other one as well uh, that we'll just touch on before we go to the award nominations is the Patriots officially out of the playoffs. First time since 2008. Yeah, I mean, the boy Belichick must be under pressure now. Absolutely. I don't know what he's done. You know, I mean, it's, you know. Coaching clown. Just... A coaching clown. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, right. Let's go to the award nominations because uh, we'll end up covering lots of other things, I'm sure. So let's talk through the belters first of all. And again, we'll go through the nominations. Um, so up front is Lauren Callahan, belter, Josh Allen, 359 yards, two touchdowns, and 33 yards, two touchdowns in the route over Denver. Polly, he says, Belter, Raheem Mostert's Twitter rant, especially the bit about fantasy football. Um, more chat off, yeah, shut up about your fantasy team, we don't care. Absolutely, I totally get it. Yeah. Like, I don't care enough about fantasy football to, to care that much. You know, you wake up and you go, oh, for God's sake, and then you laugh at the hilarity and how bad you are at these things, and then you move on. Um, for people to be abusing 
players on Twitter because they got injured and stuff like that. Get a grip, man. Get a grip. Um, Philip Spears, Buff, uh, Belters, Buffalo, first division win since 95. Absolutely owned the Broncos from start to finish. Um, maybe just a player or two away from being a top, top team. Um, Belter from Matt McLaughlin is Aaron Rodgers, another 40-plus touchdown season and playing at MVP levels. Ross Black, his belters, Josh Allen and the Bills. Not sure if they're genuine Super Bowl contenders yet, but they've got the tools to make a run. Uh, the Patriots football chat with Jake and Matt also agree their belter is the Bills. So does Sean Black. His belter is the Bills. Whole lot to like there. So who gets your belter this week, Paul? Yeah, I'm not going to surprise anybody. I'm going with the Bills. I mean, they've had to end, you know, the, the most successful football team you know, with with the Patriots, they've had to end that dynasty at some point. They've done so by building well, sensibly. It's not a flash in the pan. It's not just Brady's left. I think, you know, Brady would have been there this year. I still think the Bills would have gone on, um, you know, having seen what I've seen, um, gone on to win it. So they're, they're definitely my belter. I think they've been really impressive. I am also going to give it to the Bills because it's the right answer. I think the only other... The only other team I'm going to give a mention to, and credit to the Browns, 10-plus wins for the first time since 2007. Could now go on and win that division. I'm actually going to give it to the Chicago Bears as a notable uh, Mm. mention. Not as the winner, just notable mention. Yeah, okay. 30-plus points in three straight games. Trubisky's come back in, having been dropped, and has won that over. David Montgomery, in particular, has been brilliant. and really has been a disappointment as a player. Um, you know, I, there was a lot of hype about him. Uh, you know, the run game in Chicago, something that they've always leaned on. Matt Forte, you know, you look at players like that that were just so influential and you thought, oh, maybe in David Montgomery they've got a player that's capable of that. The last couple of games, he's looked like that player. And actually, they've had some really good wins. 33-27 against the Vikings. They managed to stop Dalvin Cook a couple of times on the goal line. Uh, very impressive overall. And... Yeah, so I, I I need to give a little bit of credit to those Bears. And they are sort of semi in playoff contention. It's an outside chance, but they're not eliminated yet by any means. So there you go. Uh, okay, back to the comments this time for Bowfin. Oh, I forgot one, actually. Gavin Newlands, he, his belter was NFL Game Pass in displaying good situational awareness for taking my direct debit just as I was about to cancel following the Raiders implosion. So, <laughs> yeah, very good. So we'll go back to Gavin and we'll stick with his mouth in, and it's the Raiders D. It's always the Raiders D. Um, for Lauren Callahan, uh, Bowfin Rams losing to the Jets. Close second is the Steelers losing to the Bungles. Uh, Polly's Bowfin is the Rams. Uh, Philip Spears, the Bowfin is the Jets for jetsing themselves or the Rams for being crap. Um, Matt McLaughlin, Bobag, whoever gave Akib Talib a microphone. I don't know if you heard him in the Eagles Cardinals commentary. I, I didn't know, oh, was it? He's not good. Oh. He's not good. Now, you know, let's give him a couple of games on some of the lower down channels to see, you know, let's give him to the end of the season, see if he can improve. But just, I saw a lot of people not overly complimentary. A couple of former Scottish Claymores and Marcus Thomas and Jim Ballard were commenting on how poor he was as a co-commentator. So I don't think he really adds any insight. Uh, and he finishes every sentence with the word man. Um, so, yeah, Ross Black, 
Bowfin, Akib Tlaib, commentating on the Cardinals-Eagles game. So there you go. <laughs> it's a popular opinion. Uh, Bowfin for the Patriots football chat is the Steelers. 11-0 seems like a lifetime ago. I don't know if they meant that to rhyme, but I like it. Uh, and then Sean Black has Bowfin as Rammers and Steelers. What you doing, lads? Uh, what are you doing? Um, who gets it for you? Who edges that? Is it the Rams or the Steelers? It's the Rams because it's more historical. They're the first team with nine wins or more ever to lose to a winless team. <laughs> so that 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 sets it in context. Yeah, and that that does it for me. Coming closer, Bowfing, this catch rule is is continues to annoy me. JJ uh, Schuster had a catch and a fumble in the game. It was all about did he get his third foot down, and it's making a football move. Now, if you watch it, he catches it and he starts to move. Do we really need to define that it's got yeah. to be a third foot going down? It's the old story. You know what a catch looks like. Now, they got it right in the end, which which was good, but the whistle blew far too early. So basically the bowfin is to these guys, put the whistle in your pocket, let the play play out, and yep. then you can yep. come back and review it. This This is dumb. This is seriously dumb. They could have advanced that a lot further. Um, the Bengals on that case. And I'm sure, you know, everybody who's listening to this will know of at least one or two things of their own team where a whistle is gone and basically ended a play that they could have advanced or taken in for a touchdown. We have got to stop that. I'll come back to my ball bag in a minute because I've got a couple of great ball bags. But that's both from the official swallow the whistle, guys. Yeah, so I, it is the Rams for me. I think, I think the manner in which the Steelers lost was more Bowfin than the Rams' manner but the actual outcome for the Rams is horrible. Like, yeah. the Steelers still make the playoffs, I would imagine, no matter what happens from here. Um, I don't know if they've actually clinched it or not. I think they may. I, I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, the the Rams need to be winning. So it's, it, it's definitely interesting. It's definitely interesting, and they're up against that. Right, ball bag nominations. Let's run through what everyone says and then we'll come back to yours. So, ball bags. Let's start with Gavin Newlands again. He sticks to the Raiders. Uh, Car-hating Raiders fans get off his back. Lauren Callahan. ball bag is whoever at NBC, whoever at NBC chose to flex the Cowboys-Niners game for the Browns-Giants snooze fest on Sunday Night Football. I guess the only difference there is the Browns-Giants is more relevant than the Cowboys-Niners. But... Mm. <laughs> Yeah, and New York brings an audience. I know the Cowboys bring an audience, good, bad, or indifferent, but New York also brings an audience. So from a TV point of view, I do understand it. They, they just picked a, a dinosaur of a game, basically. Yeah. Polly, um, Bobag, the officials who thought the Bucks had a first down at the end of the Falcons game when the rest of the world could see that it wasn't. Sorry, Falcons fans, which I think is very honest coming from a Tampa Bay Bucks fan, but he's right because yep. it wasn't a first down. Philip Spears, his ball bag is himself. He says that I know why, and it's because Philip mentioned to me over the weekend that he took out uh, Justin Herbert off his fantasy team and put in Derek Carr. Oops. <laughs> um, James Whitson, his ball bag is Randy Moss for claiming he's the best wide receiver of all time and not having the real goat Jerry, Jerry Rice in his top three. I don't know if you've been following this one, Paul but a little bit of a spat there where Randy Moss claimed himself to be the best. Uh, T.O. was number two. I can't remember who he said was number three, but he had he had Jerry Rice outside his top three of best wide receivers ever. It, it's this, 
you know, the, the greatest player is the person that I, you know, the you know, the younger people can remember. It's just all the current players. Jerry Rice, let's move on. Let's discuss who's number two behind him. <laughs> Jeez. Indeed, indeed. Um, so I, Matt McLachlan, actually read his the wrong way around. His Bobag one was about the Talib microphone. His Bowfin was the Steelers, but Bobag for them is Talib a microphone. Ross Black has given a keep Talib. So his Bowfin was a keep Talib commentating on the Eagles game. His Bobag was the person who decided to give a keep Talib the game to commentate on. Surely this is a really bad wind-up. So. <laughs> I love that. I mean, the other thing, I mean, the Americans take this highly seriously, so you will have gone through a lot of training. Yep. Um, you know, you know, they don't just hand on the microphone. And, you know, sometimes we listen to our own sport, you know, over here, and you think somebody's just been handed the microphone and told to get on with it. But, you I'll know, people, people are genuine. saying names. <laughs> Easy boy. Not you. Uh, not you. Not you. Not you. Uh, you know, but people people are trained for these things, yeah. and and it it does, and it, it takes a stronger character to say actually this this doesn't work for us. But they they've popped them out the way on a game that they didn't think matters. They must they must know something about them or hear something in them that they think he can develop. But they're yeah. going to have to be brutally honest in the feedback to him. I've not heard it, but that would be my advice. You've got to be brutally honest in your feedback. Indeed. Uh, last two then, the Patriots chat, Bobak, Cam Jordan, silly man and let his team down big time. And then Sean Black's Bobak is Juju Smith-Schuster. Get on with the game rather than prance around and being a massive Bobak. Antonio Brown, Mark II. I'm not sure he's anywhere near the Antonio Brown levels, but yes, this has been the the hot topic on social media this uh, today since that defeat is obviously Juju Smith-Schuster does this. I wasn't aware he does this before every game. He goes on TikTok and does a little dance on top of the away team's logo. Um, so it's not the first time he's did it, but the Bengals took exception to that, and they knocked him into next week, and he cost me another one of my semifinals. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know what? If you're going to do that, you've got to go on and win the game. Simple as that. And if not, if you're going to be an idiot, you're going to be an idiot. So, seamlessly moving to Gordon McGuinness, who's part of our podcast yep. and PFF. His bowfin was the Pittsburgh Steelers for churning their way into the playoffs, as he described it. His ball bag was Juju Smith-Schuster for dancing on the Bengals logo. And his belter was Gordon McGuinness because he told us that the Steelers weren't actually all that good. Now, automatically, if you recommend yourself to be the belter, you get a ball bag nomination. Um, but unfortunately, Gordon, you don't win it because my ball bag is you know, Juju Schuster, but there's there's a close second to this camera and, and I need to get this back up. It's Mackenzie Alexander, the Bengals. Now, he covered on a, it was a third and 15 or something like that. He covered a play beautifully and then got done for taunting because he stood, crossed his arms and danced. Now, he'd just broken up the play. You know, the Bengals, who were doing really well at that point, basically, instead of walking off the field, because there was also a penalty uh, for the Bengals, uh, you know, given there was offsetting penalties. Why do you taunt someone when you're handing them the potential of a first down? You know, he learned from it. And the next time, because I think it's second or third play after that, you know, he went to his own sidelines and he had a little dance and, and things like that. But Mackenzie Alexander, this, this taunting thing, I don't get. Um, now, there was somebody else done for taunting. I think it was uh, Landry of the Browns 
but that must have been how he said something because there was no great animation. I think he goes around blessing people, which tends to upset them, um, you know, once he's done something wonderful. But that, that to me is funny. And, you know, the, the side judge, I don't think had much of a sense of humour, but please don't don't hand the ball back to good teams. Now, in Pittsburgh, you know, in theory at that point, <laughs> we're a good team. They weren't, yeah. Uh, you know, they, they were 11 and 2. They were looking, you know, they, or, you know, they were looking to get down the field. You're handing cheap possession back. Okay, nothing came of it. That could have been a turning point in the game. So he gets my ball back. Yep, quite right. Quite right. Um, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure on this one. Um, I think I think it has to be Juju because it really was. It's been such a hot topic. There's not a lot else there to to kind of bang on about. There was nothing massively controversial. Um, I think. Uh, do you know what? I'm going to give it to the officials in the Bucks Falcons game for that terrible measurement. Uh, it's just crap. It's just crap, lads. I don't know what you're doing. It's a simple thing. It's a chain. It's been in the NFL since the start. That's how you measure. If you can't measure, then what are you doing? What are you doing? Just it, it, rubbish. It, it I don't think it would have made any difference. I no. think that the wind was out the sails of the Falcons. But stuff like that just is, just, yeah, amateur hour. Absolute Ima- amateur Imagine hour. that guy measuring you for a suit and then you go to a wedding wearing your new suit and fucker going... <laughs> Why can I see your socks? Yeah. Well, why are your trousers halfway up? You know, you know, it, it's just ah, oh, no, makes no sense. Yes, yeah, we 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 know that men exaggerate measurements all the time, but don't do it when the whole world's watching <laughs> and can see what you've got. None of that, right? Okay, let's move on and let's start looking to the rest of the season. So this is something we'll be doing now. Actually, earlier on today, I found that ESPN have a playoff machine. So if you search for ESPN, oh, my, my microphone's gone. If you search for the ESPN playoff machine, you can do this yourself. What you can do is you can pick the winner for week 16 and week 17. And then what it do, does is it updates all the, the outcomes and then it tells you what... Uh, the the playoff fixtures are going to be based on how you see the rest of the season going. So, Paul, I've already given this a go. I'm not going to tell you who I've selected to win each game because that's going to give you an edge when it comes to the pick six and the Bonnie Sauce Pick'em tournament, which, by the way, we're only a point away from each other. I'll come to that in a bit. Um, But the way that I've got this coming out, and and I'm not even going to give you the seeds. I'm just going to tell you the matchups. So out of my week 16 and week 17 predictions, I've got, I'll give you my first seeds. My first seeds are Kansas City and the Green Bay Packers. They get a bye. The fixtures for the AFC, and I tell you what, all of them are tasty. Right away, I'm all over this. And we've been chatting on this podcast about the AFC is really exciting and the NFC is just a little bit meh. And I think genuinely when I read out these fixtures, you're going to, you're going to say the same. In fact, I'm going to start with the NFC just to give you that first because I'm going to follow up with a better AFC. So out of the fixtures, I've got the Cardinals um, versus the Saints. I've got the Rams versus the Seahawks, which is fairly tasty. And I've got the Buccaneers versus Washington. If that is the outcome, I think our burger bet about uh, NFC East team making it to the divisional round is going to come down in your favor. I don't think Washington will beat Tampa. I okay. think that if there's a different set of outcomes and Washington end up playing, say, the Rams, there's a chance that Washington beats the Rams, I reckon. Anyway, so that's the games, right? So Cardinals, Saints, Rams, Seahawks, Bucks, Washington. On the AFC side, the outcome I have, 
results in Ravens Bills tasty Steelers Browns tasty Colts Titans tasty um three absolute belter games that would be worth sitting up for and watching till the wee hours for absolute sure absolutely i mean there's no doubt so if people don't know how this works because you've just you've just sent this to me so i've got the playoff machine i've got the week 16 tab sitting in front of me and i can basically choose all the games for this week so the current playoff picture is kansas city and green bay with buys so it's miami buffalo Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Tennessee, Arizona, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Seattle, and LA, Washington. So what I'm going to do just very quickly, I'm just clicking on who I think is going to win these games and it will automatically update. And I want to see if it actually changes the playoff picture uh, as we go through. There's a couple of games that actually don't matter very much in there. And I'm not going to tell you which teams I'm going because it will affect, uh, you know, the pick six eventually so i'm just going through it. i'm just about finished here's the last one here and with all of the games that i've got it does change okay it changes for this week um so if all of my 16 came up it would be green bay in kansas it would be arizona at new orleans los angeles at seattle and tampa bay at washington so i've now got what the same as got. me yep um with a week to go, on the AFC side, it would still be Miami-Buffalo, but Tennessee would jump to play Indianapolis, but it would be Cleveland-Pittsburgh. Right. And that's just as tasty as it comes. Yep. I don't think... Um, I'd watch all I'd watch all six of them. That'd yep. be brilliant. So go and do week 17 and see where you end up, because I so think week, this is relevant. Week 17... And while you're doing that, right, the, the good thing about the, the structure here is normally when we get to the postseason... You get two games on the Saturday and two games on the Sunday. With lockdown being extended in the UK, it means that the weekend off Saturday the 9th and Sunday the 10th, we are going to be in our houses. We're not going to be anywhere else. But we're going to get three games on the Saturday and three games on the Sunday, which is brilliant. You know, the games the games will kick off at 6pm and then it's 9... No, it's not. It's 10.40. Uh, the only thing is the later game which is quite late for that to kick off. No, I'm talking rubbish. It's 9.40. Sorry. My maths is atrocious. Right, so 6 o'clock, 9.40, and then quarter past one. Now, on a quarter past one on a Saturday night, I can sit up and watch that. I don't know that I can do it on the Sunday when I've got work on the Monday. But then on the Sunday, it means you've got a 6 o'clock game, you've got a 9.40 game, and then you've got the late game, which is on, uh, again, at 1.15 on Monday morning, in essence. Um, that's one to, to record and then watch on Monday night when you finish work. Or if you've somehow managed to wrangle the day off, if you're on furlough or something like that, well, you can sit up and watch it whenever you want. So I, what I would do, so I would come to Green Bay. Um, it would be Arizona at New Orleans. Okay. It would be Los Angeles at Seattle, okay. and it would be Tampa Bay at Washington. So you so end I agree up the same you. as me, okay. But not on the other side, I don't think. Let me just check. I would be Baltimore at Buffalo, which I think you've got. Yeah. Titans would go to the Browns. Okay. And the Steelers will go to the Colts. How about that? Mm. There you go. So Steelers think, to the Colts. So you've got yeah. the same teams. Is that right? The so, same, so you've got the same, the same teams, yeah. Right. Okay. So, so what what I think we should do is I'll take a picture of this. 
Yeah. And I'll send send it to you. And I think you should put both of these up on the NFL Scotland Twitter feed. Yep. And we'll go side by side because this is how we're going to call how the, the games are going to finish. Yep. And I'd love to see other people's. So, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, jump on, uh, look for the ESPN playoff machine, t- uh, whap in there what you think is going to happen and send us your brackets. Let's see how varied these gets. Uh, let's see if the NFC picture's the same for absolutely everybody <laughs> or if there's any other variations out there. So I think it'll be fascinating. And yeah, let's see how close we get to this one. The one other thing to mention is, of course, if anyone's been listening to this podcast for a while, they'll know that I'm now at least four burgers down uh, as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers confirmed the winning season. So that sucks for me. But hey ho, what can you do? You got to stand by your bets. And so, I think. So just, just to reference close, that. It's been close in some of this. It's not been as easy as they thought it was going to be. Mm. You said they'd finish no better than 8-8. Eight 8-8. And, eight. Eight and, eight. and for every win above, in the regular season, none of this playoff yep. wins, in the regular season, every win thereafter, I'll buy a burger for each additional win. So at most, I'm going to be down, because it's four of you jumped on this, it's you, Charles Patterson, Gordon McGuinness, and Charles Dagnall, who came on as a guest and jumped all over it. So he has to come to Scotland, though. Charles, I'm not sending them down to you. You've got to come here and get them. Um, but ultimately, it could be up to 12 burgers I'm out of pocket. So the location and time of the purchase of these burgers is to be confirmed. I'll not be cheap, but we're not going super gourmet. Uh, it'll be something in the middle, you know. We can mix it up as well. We can go different places. So, um, Yes. Uh, and there's other burger bets in play as well. I could, in theory, still lose out another burger to Gordon and another burger to yourself, uh, depending on how things fall. So, yeah. Well, life is good. Something to look forward to during lockdown. Aye, for burgers. you. For you. Uh, <laughs> right. Let's do a quick update then on the Bonnie Sauce NFL Scotland Pick'em competition because we're getting down to the last the, two weeks to go, Paul. Two yep. weeks to go. But what does that mean? That means there's 32 points still to play for. So... And, and I tell you what, there's been some movement around here as well. So if you're anywhere near the top, um, if I look at the first page, the people down at the bottom there have got 144. The person at the top's got 155. That's an 11 difference, right? But if you manage to get even 30 of those 32 right, you're going to rocket way up this, this league. So anyway, at the top with 155, out on his own is Aberdeen Goose. Then we've got three people tied in second place. We've got Lady Hell's Bells, 11, with 154. Also, Alex McNiven and Buddy Brilliant. Then on 153, we've got South FL Bull. We've got Juan Roberto. We've got Jambo Jap, who was our first ever pick king of Scotland. And we've got David Pearson, 1874. Um, now, this is where I always get tongue-tied. 152, so there's me and one other person. Chimp Acabras. Chimp Acabras is also on 152. I think I'm saying that right. Then, yep. there's three of you on 151. We've got Dude, Where Dakar. Uh, we've got Paul Mitchell, 68. That must be your age. Uh, and then we've Ooh, got cool. Nkeel in- Before Zod. Um, which is there on 151. One person on 14th, win and you'll get whiskey with 150. These people are all still in the mix. We've got uh, G Phil D. We've got Pot Kittle Black. I like the name. Pot Kettle Black's a new contender. I like that. We've got Radar. 
is we've got Adam Mullen, we've got Steve Collins, we've got Scottish Steeler, and we've got John John Bailey. All there on 149. Definitely in the mix. And then there's a bunch of people after that as well who are all very much in this. So two weeks to go on this one. Uh, many thanks to Bonnie Sauce who have sponsored this competition. There is an NFL jersey of your choosing. Up for grabs here. There is an NFL Scotland hoodie. Um, and there's entry to join the NFL Scotland Fantasy League next year. Um, and we talked about that earlier on. You know, it's going to be won by either Scott Cooper or Charles Patterson. So you could be part of that and try and knock one of those two off their title-holding position. Um, so plenty to play for. It, it's, it's been a great season, though, hasn't it? I mean, it, it, given everything that's gone on with, with lockdown and everything that, you know, people are going through, you know, the NFL, yeah, they've taken a bit of criticism for how they've handled some of the COVID stuff. But at the end of the day, it's not just the games, it's everything that spins off the games, being able to talk about it, being able to play fantasy football, you know, the pick'em games, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, it's just wonderful. And I think, you know, it just shows the core that sport plays for so many people. I know a lot of people, you know, can't stand sport, Cameron. And I, and I get that, you know, each to their own thing. But it just shows you what a key part sport can play and just, you know, entertaining people and giving us stuff to talk about and you know narratives and things like that it's just great absolutely it's been like you say we've needed this we needed the distraction needed the frustration of fantasy football needed the pick them to keep you going needed the pick six um and all that stuff to just keep us keep us entertained and it's not done yet can't wait to see what some of these postseason games look like uh, and like i say if it does come out like what either of us have put out we've got some cracking games coming up in early january that's going to keep us going when we get that next lockdown after boxing game so so right okay i think that's the full-time whistle then for episode 129 thank you for taking the time to listen please share your thoughts on this podcast and um, by searching us on social media at Scotland NFL on Twitter, and search on Facebook for NFL Scotland. We read all your comments on social media, good and bad. We appreciate them all. Please give us your feedback, any comments. We love to hear from you. Give us a review as well on any of the podcast uh, providers. Always good to have. We're trying to spread the word about the NFL Scotland podcast. Hope you have a great Christmas. Have a wonderful time and join us again next week where we'll dissect how week 16 goes in the NFL and we'll set you up for the final week of the regular season. It's going to be great. From Cameron, from myself, thanks for listening. Bye for now.